Welcome to Insemination and happy Pride Month. I am so excited to introduce you to our next guest is Donor Conceived and I hold a very, very special place for this Donor Conceived person in my heart because this was the very first Donor Conceived person who gave me permission and trusted me with their story for me to tell it on TikTok. So I'm so excited that I have her as a guest on my podcast so that she can tell her story to all of you now. She is going to be going into depth about talking about the medical issues that she has had as a result from the donor conception. So this is a really important episode to listen to, especially if you're a recipient parent. And just a reminder, this week I will be headlining at Catch a Rising Star in Princeton, New Jersey. Get your tickets now. They are available on my website. Also, I got a ton of other shows, so check out my website. All the ticket links are there. I'm going to be in North Carolina beginning of September. But most importantly, July 23rd is my show, Stand Up for Drag, which I am co-producing with the amazing drag queen, Gina Tonic, where the whole lineup is stand-up comedians and drag artists raising money for the Drag Story Hour and the Transformation Project. It'll be at the Soho Playhouse at 8 o'clock. Get your tickets today. And now let's get to the episode. And welcome to Insemination, Jamie. I am so excited that you're here. I'm very excited too. Yeah, and it is June 2nd. So happy Pride. Happy, we are in, we are in our, we are in a in a wonderful, happy prideful month. Um, are you doing anything to celebrate Pride this this month? That depends on if the baby is cooperative for Pride. <laughs> Fair enough that you know what celebrating pride can also just be listening to like some awesome music and you can have like a little pride parade in your own home. Yeah, true. There. Yeah, true. we can just do it that way. Uh, well, thank you, Jamie, so much for coming on. I was actually thinking about this and I realized when I started doing um, uh donor conception stories like I was originally like on TikTok on Instagram like just telling my story. Your story was the first story I told about somebody else. So I'm so excited. Mine was the first. Yours was the first. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I'm so excited that you can be on here on the podcast and you get to tell your story uh, that you get to do it. And that makes me really excited. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't remember like how it happened. Like either you posted your story on like a forum or you reached out to me. I don't remember. But um, but I, I remember hearing your story for the first time, just going like, oh, this is this is something that needs to be publicly known. I think you were like looking for topics for yes. TikTok in yes. the donor conception group. That's it. And I think I asked, I was like, is anyone willing? Like, does anyone want to share their story? Like, I can do that. And you're like, what's up? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I so, think that's. I, I think that that was it. So let, let, let's let get the ball rolling. So you are a, a sperm donor conceived individual. Yeah. And what, and what year were you conceived? I was conceived in 1994, born in 95. Fabulous. Uh, what state? Oregon. Oregon. Do we feel comfortable sharing the clinic or the cryobank's name? OHSU Andrology. U Andrology. OHSU, yeah. Okay. Awesome. And has your, has your parents, oh, uh, parents, single by choice, uh, parent, like what? My family is a little bit, um, complicated. Um, so at the time my parent was in a lesbian couple and has now transitioned, um, and remarried and, um, but at the time two moms. Okay. How, how can I, how should I refer to your biological parents? Um, bio parent that is not donor, um, just as parent. Parent, fabulous. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, appreciate that. Okay, so when your when your parent was going through the process of donor conception, what was that like for them? They haven't talked very much about what it was like, other than that they saw the profile and thought it looked like a great option. Um, and that I was bought and paid for. That's really yes. the us the transaction <laughs> life. What is up? Yeah. 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 They loved to tell me as a kid that I was so wanted because I was bought and paid for. Which oh, now thank they you. now they understand was a problematic term. Um mm. but back then that was a common phrase about how I came into this being like into this world yeah um, yeah 
Yeah. And then uh, to all of our recipient parents, please, please don't like jingle our price tag in front of our faces. Yeah. It's not and tell us how much we were wanted because you just happen like don't don't do that don't don't play that game it's never it's never going to mentally help us out yeah yeah do you know how much you you were you cost i never asked um that would just i feel like make me feel worse so Mm -hmm. i was i never asked um my guess is quite a bit even for the 90s probably couple thousand dollars at least yep i i joke with my parents um because my my parents i I don't even i can't even begin to imagine how much they spent to have me because it was three years there were two surgeries there was hormonal treatments for three years um i've asked my mom how many times you tried to do donations and she was like i don't know somewhere in the double digits so I, i mean we're i am i am Platinum, apparently. So I joke yeah. with them that I'm by now I talk about my conception so much that I'm slowly making the money that they spent to have me. I'm slowly making the money back. And I'm like, there you guys go. It's full circle. <laughs> that is fantastic. So they saw the the donor profile. We're like, that's that's what they liked. Was there anything about the donor profile that spoke to them or just it seemed reasonable enough? Um, I know that they liked that it said that he went to school for studying science. Um, but honestly, since I have seen the donor profile, there's not much there to like. Like, (laughs) I I think of the options, it was probably the least empty. What Uh, is what's on your donor profile? Because I I don't have a donor profile, so I'm always so I'm like, oh, you have a donor profile. What does it say? Um, I haven't looked at it in a few years because I um got out, locked out of the email that has it, mm. and I they haven't emailed me a new one even though I asked multiple times. Weird, um, weird but, that they didn't that they're not like yeah. you know following through. That's so strange. Yeah. The clinic. What, what would would that yeah. ever happen? Yeah, but it had uh, his like height, weight, eye color, hair color, um, and that um he was like English Scottish. Okay. And then it had a couple small s- snippets of information. Mm-hmm. One um, that said he was studying botany and biology. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one saying that there was a maternal great-great-grandmother that had three sets of twins. Which was not accurate. Which was not accurate. Okay. I love that. We're going to put a pin in that one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you are, they picked the donor out. You are conceived you are are born and you have a an easy perfect no problem life like everything you're just skipping through life right like everything is just so awesome and and amazing and perfect and there's no problems right until i get run over with a freight train of medical issues at 13 no a freight train of medical issues freight train sorry. of medical issues okay i mean i'm still so sorry but i'm glad you weren't hit by a freight train oh my god no no okay ah. sorry. Just trying to... oh my god I was about to say, this is about to be a very different podcast because I'm like, fuck all the donor conceived shit. You were hit by a freight train and you survived? No. How are you not in the Guinness Book of World Records, Jamie? Okay. All right. All right. Sorry about that. No, it's totally fine. That's that's my ADHD coming in of like, Laura, let them finish their sentences. Um, Okay. So... All right. Amazing. So you were hit by a freight train of medical issues starting at the age of 13. Yeah. Okay. What, what were those medical issues? Um, mainly having a grand mal seizure on the kitchen floor. It's a big one. Ooh. 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 That, that can be, that can be terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Getting up to get a glass of water as my mom was getting ready for work and was talking to her and then all of a sudden I was on I thought I was back asleep and she was screaming at me it's not traumatizing all right 
Yeah. Oh my. And there was like, was was there any kind of like sign or anything that like that that this was coming or just literally like bam moment there, um right before I like was really dizzy and um I said I feel and then I was down for the count um oh but God. I had also been having like issues as a, a kid that um we didn't realize were seizures so I had been having them since I was little, just mainly in my sleep, um, so no one knew. What can you tell me more about those? Um, after a seizure, I would wake up um, angry and um, in pain. Oh my god! Um, so I'd have mornings where I'd wake wake up with horrible headaches, and I was angry and confused. Um, I had dizzy spells off and on throughout my childhood. Um, I had excessive clumsiness, so I got oh. injured a lot, and it was because I was having absent seizures in the middle of doing things. Um, oh my god! Yeah, that's, so absent- that's terrifying. Yeah, and that's where you're just missing little snippets of time, but you're not like falling to the ground. Um, and so, when I was younger, I was having like twenty or thirty of those in like a couple hours so i just missed little seconds and not know it oh my god uh, that's that would I, I mean i would assume that would be terrifying yeah once it, and when i hit puberty it started getting a lot worse and so understanding what was going on was very scary may i ask like obviously it that you know what was going on through your childhood is is scary it's terrifying i'm sure that took a lot of like energy from your body like i'm sure that was a very exhausting thing to be going through yeah uh did it affect you i know this is a stupid question but like like how much did it affect your daily life quite a lot especially once i was on medication um because all of the epilepsy medications also double as mood stabilizers Mm. um and for a 13 year old going through puberty mood stabilizers that are designed for bipolar disorder or um severe depression can actually cause those things to kind of like happen if you don't have those things um Mm. so i got severe depression because one i was dealing with the new medical condition I didn't know how to deal with. I was isolated at home, not able to do things um, because my parents were so worried about something happening to me if I went and did things. Oh, of course. Yeah. And I was having um, chronic migraines on top of it. Um, And my meds caused a whole host of side effects just trying to stop the seizures. Because the seizures were the greater evil of the two because a seizure can kill you yeah oh my god that's that's rough and you were dealing with this at the age of 13 like that's that's a lot for a 13 year old yeah oh my god but yeah I, i had no idea that the medication was also a mood stabilizer yeah and throwing that into puberty like oh my god yeah yeah um the one i was on for the longest was called depakote and it made my weight boomerang so i lost a bunch of weight and then i gained about 80 pounds oh my god in what kind of like time period um over about a year i gained 80 pounds oh my god yeah that oh my god that would that that's for such a short period of time. Mm-hmm. I can't like, oh, that might have, I don't know what other word to use, but like that would, yeah. that would, I know that that would like terrify me. Yeah. And it, for me, it just caused severe depression. Yeah. Oh my God. And PCOS. It also caused PCOS, which is not. Oh, gee, of course. I would have <laughs> also assumed that would like, would, I would assume that would also hurt. Yeah. Physically, that would just hurt. Yeah. Oh my god. Um but and it co- and it caused uh, how did it how did it cause PCOS? Um that was a side effect of the epilepsy medication um that Oh my god. The one I was on, my doctor 
didn't mention that it wasn't really great for young women. Thanks, um, doctor. I had been on it for five years when I saw a new doctor who had said I should have never been on it. Um, so that's a whole nother <laughs> rabbit hole of it can cause permanent fertility issues for uh, young women, possibly. Which is oh my god, kind of, which is ironic. Kind of ironic. Yeah, as I say, it was a little um, ironic. All right. Considering um, my d- distrust and dislike for the fertility industry, I was very yeah. grateful to be able to have a child without having to use them. How 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 old is how old is the baby now? A uh, little over four months. Oh my goodness! Ah! I can't. Oh. Well, okay, also, you and I haven't like spoken face to face in a while. And so congratulations yeah. on your Thank sweet, you. beautiful baby. I, I love Thank when you. any photos come up of him. He's just so cute. And he's so sweet. Um, but yeah, so congratulations on, on your baby. And I'm so and I am very happy for you that you didn't yeah. that you didn't end up needing to use the uh, infertility industry. Yeah, um, that was a huge fear. I'm currently also actively trying to avoid the infertility industry as well. I'm very, I'm actually struggling with infertility right now in, in, a, in a way, um, yeah. but in a way, cause like we caught it quickly enough to okay. where I'm hoping I'm, I'm like, I'm cause of course I'm like, I don't want, I don't please, please, please don't make me, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I, cause I don't, I want to stay away from that industry as much as possible. Yeah. Um, was I was diagnosed now two years ago now, two years, uh, with a tumor it, benign on my pituitary yeah. gland, which is right uh, below, which is right on the bottom of my brain, uh, right behind my eyes. And it's like this like yeah. little gland that hangs down. And your pituitary gland controls your adrenals and your thyroid. Oh. Yeah, and your thyroid and adre- they kind of control everything. Like yeah. all hormone, like everything. And I have, since I first got my period when I was 13, my periods have never been normal. Never once in my entire life, ever. Um, They have been, I'd skip months. They were always like pretty light. Um, I would never have, like my cramps would be like nothing, but I would always skip months. And then as I, and then a couple of years ago, I, um, my anxiety spiked. I was suddenly extremely like my digestive system was like completely off. Um, I was exhausted. My cholesterol was like out of control. And I was like, you know, when like, you know, something's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those things. And I took an at home um, thyroid test and it showed that some stuff was out. I went to my doctor and she was amazing. She listened to me and she was like, we're sending you to the endocrinologist. And then they found the tumor. And The tumor, luckily, it was small enough to where I don't need surgery. Like, thank God we caught it. So yeah. right now, I'm just on some some pretty heavy medication to shrink it. And it's gone now. And now we're on the medication, essentially reboot my system, hopefully. But I I am completely like the, the tumor rendered me infertile while the tumor was there. I, I could not get pregnant with the tumor there. So now luckily my husband and I are not ready to conceive that that's hopefully that's our next year adventure. That's, that's uh, 2024. But it was this realization of, of going like, oh my God, I could have, when we started trying, if if I didn't know about this, I could have easily like, it would have been three years getting rid of this goddamn thing yeah, before we had able to conceive. Yeah. And also fun, fun enough. Um, the, the tumor is not caused by my paternal side, my donor side, but the hormonal imbalance that I have is from my donor side, which made me, um, uh, what was not, not preconceived. What's the right word? It made me, um, likely to get this, likely to get this predisposed. Thank you. And so I I also, I'm like, well, that was ironic. Thanks guys. Yeah. Yeah, well, my for me, my donor didn't cause me to be on the meds that caused the PCOS. My epilepsy that was from him caused me to go to a neurologist who put me on medication well, that caused and fertility issues. And this is this is the part of the story that I would love to love to get into because you yeah. were diagnosed with epilepsy, and it's a yeah. rare form of epilepsy, right? It's not. A rare form, genera- I have generalized epilepsy, um, 
but the part that's rare is for it to be genetic. Um, and like, it's like super uncommon for it to be genetic. Um, okay. But when I was searching for my donor and whatnot, I found, I think it was three or four like, di- like cousins and like different areas of distance that were epileptic. And then my donor was also supposedly pulled from the program due to uh, two other children having seizures. Um, but that was from the word of mouth of a receptionist at a clinic right after I got diagnosed who they now say never happened. <laughs> well, let's so let so so we're going to say allegedly, allegedly. Yeah. Your parent called because I, if I remember correctly, your parent called the clinic up and said, hey, my kid just got diagnosed with this. And I just want to, like, throw this out there to let you guys know. Yeah, we actually we went in in person. Oh, shit. And my parent, like, told them at the front desk. And so I remember her saying he was pulled from the program. Like, but I was also recently medicated and fairly out of it um okay and after like i called the like checkup on things there was like oh that never happened we have no records of that no records of him being pulled from the program or anything um but i remember her telling my parent that and does and i assume your parent remembers as well yeah yeah so just just to make sure that everybody understands, you were diagnosed with epilepsy. Yeah. You and your parent went into the clinic to be like, hey, just FYI, she was yeah. just diagnosed with epilepsy. Just want to let you know. And they said, oh, we already pulled the donor because other kids were diagnosed with epilepsy as well. Yeah. Yeah. Now They said he was pulled from the program a month before I was born. And 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 I know the answer to this. Um did the did the clinic happen to i don't know call you call other no. of the donor conceived uh families from that from that donor to be like hey yo just fyi maybe keep an eye out for this no they did not no they did not that's so weird that's so strange i've never never heard of that happening ever <clears throat> yeah oh yeah. my god so they and again, I know that they said that they didn't do this, but obviously you and your parent both witnessed this happening. And yeah. I'm I'm going to believe you and your parent because yeah. we've seen this kind of activity from other clinics and cryobanks as well. Yeah. Um, it's and and legally and, and and here's the thing: legally, the clinics and cryobanks do not have to update you. They don't have no. to. Now, ethically, yeah, you'd think they would. Yeah, you'd hope. Like, you know, especially since our parents are paying so much money for us like oh my god yeah like i mean expect at least a little common sense to like help them keep their product healthy uh, uh yeah see we we are we are very we're very fancy products we're fancy babies yeah medically expensive we are we're very expensive then then i must ask with your particular diagnosis and would it have helped you to have gotten that information about the epilepsy earlier on life? Because apparently they knew right before you were born, would that information have helped you out or would it have been essentially the same trajectory anyway? I could have gotten an EEG when I was much younger. um, So they could have scanned my brain um and saw that my neurons were misfiring back then because i was having seizures likely as young as five. Oh my god now would it have helped you to have gone on medication earlier or would that have changed your care plan um i don't know i don't know whether i would have been on medication earlier because um they probably would have they do tend to give children medication just a lot less mm. um but my parents could have also like monitored me put me in a safer bed because I was falling out of bed all the time oh my god um and so it was because I was having seizures and falling out of bed yeah um so they could have made 
things safer in general. Um, I could have also gotten a little bit more help with school. Um, How did it affect school? Because when you have absence seizures, when you're like, when you have lots of them and somebody's teaching, you miss little snippets of what they're saying. Of course. Oh, and makes so much. Oh God, that makes so much sense. Okay. Of course. That, that plus like the confusion that would come sometimes, um, and missing school because of headaches. Yeah. Um, just multiple different reasons that I struggled with school a lot. Oh my God. That makes so much sense. That makes so much sense. Okay. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, oh, I mean, you must've missed, I mean, you were saying you had what seven gaps in your timeline, like per hour. I can't imagine that, like what yeah. the effects that would have on like learning. Yeah. Um, like my freshman year of high school, I failed every single class and had to oh, take summer yeah. school every year for through high school to be able oh. to graduate on time. Oh my God. That's horrible. Yeah. The freshman year, I I also missed three months of school, um, due to, I had a migraine so bad that I was hospitalized multiple times, um, because the migraine didn't go away for almost four and a half, five months. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. I am so sorry that 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 is really I mean that's rough for like anybody go through but especially like as a kid like that is awful that you went through that at that young age yeah and again the the clinic allegedly uh I know they're 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 not they're they're backtracking a little bit on that one yeah but the fact that they had that information yeah and you could have been that is so upsetting. And with how yeah. much impact that had on your life. Yeah. It had, they said something sooner, I could have gotten regulated onto meds at a younger age. Um, and had a treatment plan in place before I hit puberty. Um, which is when puberty is a really hard time for people with epilepsy because hormones have a huge impact on seizures. Oh my um, that makes a lot of sense. Oh my God. Well, and I can't imagine, like, and I'm, I'm not, I, and if this is a question you you can't answer that, that's totally okay. But I would, uh, but I have had experience with, um, oh my God, what's the right, uh, with, with mood stabilizers. Um, not, not me, but somebody else I know very close was on them. I would assume, and cause it does take your body like some time to adjust to, to these medications. So the fact that we're, we're throwing a mood stabilizer on right as you're going through puberty yeah it's that doesn't and I mean I know going on these kinds of medications like there's always a kind of an adjustment period but to specifically throw it on at puberty does sound like a particularly awful concoction yeah it was intensely not fun um it it led to a lot of teenage angst yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. How 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 bad were we hitting the hot topic? Oh, quite badly. And were fighting we, with people online. Were we uh were we a Zanga or a live journal person? Those neither of those sound familiar. They they may have been more of my my tank because I'm I'm a little older than you, so maybe those yeah. were more, more my so then what what was what where were you fighting people online? I was uh, fighting recipient parents in the big Facebook group. You know what? You know what? Sometimes you got to self-medicate, okay? And that's the way you got to do it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, from the time I was like 14 when I first got Facebook to the time I was like 18. Like, if you look back through the comments, I'm in there a lot. I, you know what, but we, we do, you know what, but sometimes we we got, we need that energy and sometimes, sometimes self-healing involves a little bit of fire. Yeah. Sometimes that's just what happens. Um, oh my God. Oh, (laughs) now I want to know what groups are you blocked from any of them? 
I don't think so because I was very careful to not use any um, offensive wording, even mm. though they took offense to it. Mm. Um, but it was like the big, the big Facebook group that has like for recipient parents yeah. and donor conceived people, like the big one. Oh, that posts... okay, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I, I mean, yeah. like. I... I mean, there there have been some very, I mean, I will say there have been things that I have said where I'm not trying to offend recipient parents. Like I'm just actively trying to like give helpful information. And, um, and I say very apparently offensive things. Yeah, uh, that, that happened a lot. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, I, in my, at this, it's going to be a couple podcasts ago, um, I was talking to a recipient parent and, you know, they were referring to their child's donor as their child's genetic parent. And I'm like, the fact that you as a recipient parent are like just doing this naturally is incredible. Yeah. Um, whenever like I've been online and I'm like, it's your child's biological parent. Like apparently me just saying that is offensive. And I'm like, yeah, science people, this isn't offensive. This is just, this is what it is. It's reality. It's a reality. Ooh, I'm so sorry. This, yeah. Ah. Oh my. God. Oh God. Okay. No, I love that. So then, how are you? How are you now? I am doing much better. I have been seizure free since I was 19. Congratulations. Um, thank you. I am on a medication that does not make me hate my existence. I love that for you. Yeah um makes it so I am a lot more functional I have been seizure free long enough that I can drive um oh my God. yes though though if I have like anything that starts to be like it could go anywhere near seizure territory I stop driving for a little bit just to make sure um because I wouldn't want to be responsible for that um happening yeah. on the road and if I were to have a seizure I'd have to stop driving for two years mm, okay I, yeah. Okay. But that's, but that is so awesome now that you have, yeah. you have the tools available to you. You yeah. know your body well enough. Um, yeah. I, I have a, a family member who has grand mal seizures as well. Hasn't had them. And I think now, I think it's been 20 years, but used to get them. That's awesome. Yes. We're very excited for him. Um, and, but, but he also, he knows like, he, it's why he takes like his sleep so seriously, because if he's overtired, that is yeah that's that is a huge trigger um which I'm sure is not getting triggered at all with a four-month-old I will say I have this weird energy now post baby that like I don't know where it came from but I do not need as much sleep as I did I love post-mortem hormones postpartum no, oh fuck wrong word oh man me in my malaprops self thank you yes postpartum yeah, yeah. oh yep mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a stand-up comedian because I can say words correctly yeah so you're you're yes I love postpartum post postpartum hormones oh my gosh <laughs> yeah not postmortem guys not weird and we would I don't I mean, I don't know. Maybe we would have a very dark sense of humor if we were laughing this yeah. much if it was post-mortem. But yes, yeah. no, postpartum. Um, I'm not a member of the undead, I promise. <laughs> that would be, um, I mean, if you were, though, this would uh, immediately become the coolest podcast, though. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd be like, yes, we we are. We are first interview with a, with a zombie. Thank you so much. But the fact that you are doing so well right now, also, I it does make me feel like you could have been in the space that you are now in hypothetically in high school. Yeah. And because, because had we done all the trial and error and figured out younger, what worked best for me, this would be a question. And I, and I don't know if you have the answer to it and if you don't know, but can you genetically test for epilepsy? Um, my neurologist has said no. Um, okay. as far as I can tell, um, it's just kind of a wait and see kind of thing. Um, but you can, like, at a very young age, you can do the electrodes and stuff like that um, to test for it, like, medically. But genetically, no. So I don't know, like, where in the genetic markers it shows up and whatnot. So when I don't they're, know that... 
doing their genetic panel with the donors, like this is not something that they're going to be testing for. No, no, there's really no way to know other than hope for an accurate medical history. And that if something comes up, be honest and tell the parents. Now, you mentioned before that there was something on your donor profile that wasn't accurate. Yes. How much of Uh, your donor profile was accurate then? um, From what I can tell, the height, hair color and all that was accurate. Um, There was very limited information on the donor profile. The main thing that was not accurate was the maternal grandmother having three sets of twins. That's such a weird lie. I'm guessing they just mushed two profiles together on accident somehow. Have you met your donor? I have talked to him on Facebook. I have never met him. Um, Mm -hmm. He was polite enough to give me updated medical history um, and to not block me on Facebook. Yay, Um, thank you. But other than that, he doesn't really want to communicate with me. Um, That's pretty obvious but like I can see his Facebook profile picture so at least I know what he looks like um but I had asked him about about the three sets of twins and he had no idea what I was talking about oh my god that's terrifying yeah even though in my search for him I was searching high and low for any sort of ancestry thing about a yeah. woman with three sets of twins like I wanted to know about her because that was cool that is like, cool like that's a badass woman right there and yeah You're she's making an army yeah and she's just not not real he had no <laughs> idea what I was talking about yeah that's the, the, there's so many donor conceived people who end up finding their donor later on and just find out like, oh, my donor profile or what was communicated to, communicated to my parents about my donor was absolutely false. Yeah. Yeah. It had his like height and hair color and all that right. And that he went to school for science, mm-hmm. but there was also very, very, very little information. It was just like height, weight, blood type, eye yeah. color, and then the two snippets of fun information. Now, I, I know this sounds like a dumb question, but was he aware that epilepsy, that he was a carrier for it? That or He was not. He was not he, aware? No. Um, it was on, from what I can tell, it was on his biological father's side that like the cousins had it and whatnot. Mm. Um, and he did not know his biological father had passed away. That's how estranged that they were. Okay. So yeah, I actually told him that my grandfather was dead. Okay. So just again, I, I really want the recipient parents to really be hearing this one. Your donor, how do you want me to refer to your uh, bio parent, biological father, donor? What, what do you prefer? Donor's fine. Donor's fine. Cool. So your donor didn't know his paternal's medical history was no. estranged from them. Yeah. Was still allowed to donate and yeah. donated knowing with a fairly serious genetic illness that has certainly, at least, I haven't talked to your other donor conceived siblings, but has greatly impacted your life not having that knowledge. Now that you know it, you're able to take care of it, you have a care plan in place, and you're doing great. Yeah. But not having that knowledge gravely affected you for like what, the first 20, 25 years of your life? The first 20. First 20 years of your life gravely affected you. And he was allowed to, to, to donate. Yeah. And was allowed to donate. And there were elements of the donor profile that weren't even accurate. Yep. That and that isn't illegal. Da, 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 da. Um, yeah. That, and- again, that, parents, like, I, I need you to understand that that donor profile, I know it looks all shiny and cute and stuff. And this was it's- in the 90s. This wasn't long ago. Yeah. yeah, this it's just a pretty piece of paper to like sell you something that you don't even get what you're buying it's like the wish of people yeah 
And just a reminder, because are you still in Oregon? Yeah. Oregon has not passed the fertility fraud legislation. So uh, they're allowed to switch out the chosen donor uh, parent DNA for their own or any other DNA that they feel like. So please understand that that you have you don't have that kind of protection in Oregon. Um, the only state that has a sibling cap is Colorado, but that law hasn't even gone into effect yet. So Oregon, no sibling cap. Um, you do not have to verify medical history still in Oregon or anywhere in the United States. New York is actively trying to do that. So Oregon is, are, we're pretty loosey-goosey when it comes to donor conception laws. Plus, I'm fairly certain there's a couple lawsuits in the, at least my clinic's history. Um, really? Yeah. Um, I'd have to look it up, but I remember finding a couple. I mean, I know in, uh, I know in Oregon, there was a donor who actually sued his, the clinic that he donated to that ended in an NDA. Uh, so Oregon's been a, Oregon's been a hot city. Uh, Jesus Christ, Laura, but it's, uh, yeah. It kind of makes sense, especially the Portland region, considering Portland is known for being incredibly LGBTQ friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, so they try and bring recipient parents here they because they know that they have a market. Yeah, but that doesn't actually feel LGBTQ friendly when you're, bring- not. It, when you're bringing them in to spend a shitload of money, but yeah. not actually be doing it safely that doesn't that just it's a money grab it's not that you're actually you're not this isn't this isn't you being an ally yeah no it's not they they know that they can profit off the community and they are and they are profiting at their children's expense like they they set up booths at pride here are you serious yeah are you fucking kidding me yeah Mm-hmm. I have seen them at Pride since I was a child because my parents took me to Pride every year. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm I'm so fine. I I I have I've sent it, but um I, I haven't checked. Uh one of the banks is having a Pride discount month at their cryobank. So they can buy us gross. at a discount. It's so gross. It's so like, do I think that parents pay way too much money in, for the to the infertility industry? Absolutely. I think the cost is outrageously stupid and it's elitist. It's awful. It's classist. I completely agree with that. But, but we also don't want to be on sale babies. I don't want to be, I don't want to be a bargain baby. What's even worse is the, uh, they got, they're getting them off the rack. What's even worse than the bargain baby though, is when they decide to do the giveaways, the, the like enter the contest and the contest babies like I couldn't imagine being like the parent who has to tell their kid oh I won you in a contest yeah I won you in a giveaway what a way to commodify your children oh my god it's it's really it's really sad it really is and and the I mean, it's for so long, the industry was not LGBTQIA plus friendly. Like it, it wasn't. But then as no. soon as they were like, oh, we can actually make a lot of money off of this. Then they were like, we're LGBTQIA friendly guys. We're going everywhere. Yeah. Give us your yeah. money. Yeah. And like before the industry was like pretending to like be allies, they enjoyed using Portland a lot because they knew that they had a market here to make a lot of money because from what I can tell people used to travel here oh my god yeah because Portland is a safe city and I I, and I love that I love that that is but the, the the fact that this industry has fully taken advantage of that is just is really sad. I and would, gross. yeah. I I am very curious as more and more people take DNA tests, how many fertility fraud cases pop up in Oregon? Yeah, I'd be yeah. very curious because if that's been a if that's been like a like a hotbed of a city, a hotbed of a state, I'm very curious to know how many more how many more stories are going to come out of the woodwork. Yeah, yeah. Either that or how many more medical issues show up. 
Yeah. Well, and I mean, if you know they hid that information from you, how much? How many other? How many other pieces of medical information did they hide from other? Did your clinic hide from other donor-conceived children, recipient parents? Yeah. Made correct, uh, incorrect donor profiles. Yeah. Like, I mean, is your clinic still in business? Yes, I believe the name has changed, um, but the clinic is still there. Oh my god! And there's, and again. Uh, parents there's 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 legally there's nothing different than when jamie was conceived uh in the state of oregon so please be careful please understand uh because i have so many people who come into my comment section saying like well they do all these genetic testing on the donors they do all of this stuff um they you know they make sure that they only get the best we only use one percent of the donors who who apply and it's like these are marketing tactics that doesn't make it truth. Yeah. And you can't guarantee that they are actually doing the things. Like no, there's no Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. There's no guarantee that they are doing what they say and if it suits them they change up their what they do as they please. Well, and on top of which like in your case, your donor didn't do anything malicious in no. the least bit. This wasn't him lying. This was just he didn't know. Yeah. And instead of the do and instead of the clinic writing down this guy doesn't have half of his medical history, um which and allowing him to donate but at least marking that off in the donor profile uh, or not allowing him to donate because it's like if you don't have half of your medical history, we 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 can't do that. Um it it's <sighs> that that's just that's just that that is it's a situation where shit happens and i think when it comes to genetics it's like our knowledge on how genetics work is still so primordial it's so still new yeah and we all have to remember that donors when they donate are very young do you know how he how old he was when he donated i don't know how old he was i don't know how old he is now i didn't ask that no worries hypothetically he was on the younger side of life yeah yeah he still looks relatively young ish yeah, and when you're young, typically you you have far far few health issues. Your parents aren't ex experiencing as many health issues. But give yourself ten years, literally ten. If you donate when you're 19, hop to 29, things already are yeah. changing within your own body. Your parents yeah. may have been diagnosed with stuff. Your grandparents have now been like really heavily diagnosed with some stuff, and you're actually seeing, oh, here's my family medical history. And yeah. that donor-conceived child has no access to any of it. No. It's insane that they expect children, because a 19-year-old is not, they're an, legally an adult, but they're not mentally an adult to no. give accurate medical history. If I was 19 years, I, I remember being 19. There was no way I could have done that. No. There's no way I could have done that. I mean, I'm a donor conceived person. I wouldn't have had half of my medical history anyway, but yeah. I would have like donated going like, because uh, we were told like, oh no, 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 he was in perfect health. So I would have put down perfect health. Yeah. And then all the medical conditions start to appear. Yeah. And if you're lucky, lucky you have a donor with a with a conscience who's actively trying to call the clinic and being like yo this has happened i was diagnosed with this my mom was diagnosed with this please inform please 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 inform the donor conceived children yeah. and even then the clinic is it very very mo most likely will not pass that information on we have enough no. donor conceived people to prove that yeah like they they aren't they aren't going to tell us anything they don't want to acknowledge us once we're here so for you, if there are some young recipient parents here, what advice would you would you give to those recipient parents who have those donor-conceived children? What kind of advice would you want or who are looking to to become recipient parents? What kind of advice would you give to them as somebody who's unfortunately had to pay a really big price for a clinic's negligence? to use a known donor or if they, even better, if they can get somebody in their life to donate, yeah. do that. Like use somebody who can be at least slightly involved in your child's life because it's going to benefit them. Like yeah. 
because we didn't even talk about any of the mental side effects of being donor conceived like there's somebody who if something goes wrong you can ask them questions about their medical history yeah and acknowledge that that person is your child's biological parent don't try to erase half of our dna how how has being donor conceived affected you emotionally i ever since i was little i wanted to know who he was it didn't sit right that i didn't know i at like 12 i hacked into my parents email to find out my donor number from the clinic because they didn't know it um like they had it in the email but they didn't pull it up for me so i hacked their email just to get my donor number I started searching online DNA, like online databases. And as soon as I could afford one, I bought a DNA test and I sent, spent years hyper fixating on finding out who he was because it didn't sit right that I wasn't allowed to know because I didn't sign a contract. Yeah, I, I would like to repeat and underline that no donor conceived person ever, ever signed the agreement of anonymity. We do not have to abide by it. The recipient parent certainly does. They signed the contract of anonymity, but the donor conceived person never did. And I am sorry, I am sorry, but it is well ethically within our right to know who our other biological parent is. That is absurd that we, that that is hidden from us, that society is like, gives us the middle finger whenever we, we want to know. It's a biological parent. We have yeah. every right to know that, know who they are. Yeah. And like- Also the, the people, UN agrees with us with that one. Yeah. And the people who always try and make us feel guilty for wanting answers. Like I didn't agree to this. This was decided before I was even a concept. <laughs> yeah. Like- Before I was a lump of cells. My rights were- signed away before I existed yeah. before I was a possibility mm -hmm. and I'm not going to play by your rules not it's the, no please please sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you yeah it's just insane plus on top of that the fear of how many siblings could I have God. how many siblings have you found so far I found one okay the donor was told that there were eight confirmed births um I found one I remember being told that two boys had epilepsy so could have 10 siblings could just have one could have 50 I don't know yeah I it, it's so hard and unfortunately you were made when they were the sibling pods were ginormous yeah I mean, the fact that you're from a clinic, not a cryobank, I do think helps you out for like not having like one of the super giant pods, but, yeah. but still, oh yeah. God. It's like, and plus from our age, like is when they told parents to lie. So there's a good chance that any siblings I have don't know. Yeah. So I hope to find more, but I also hope not to find too many more I know it's like you want to find it in like the safe zone which I don't know what yeah. it is what even is the safe zone but like there does seem to be a number like okay I can deal with this amount versus like yeah. oh my god they mass produced me like tickle me Elmo Jesus Christ yeah yeah I think anything above 10 is too much yeah, anything above 10 is is we're starting to enter into a ridiculous range where it's like you don't don't no one needs this many siblings. This is this is insane. No. It's ridiculous. Do you think 10 should be the sibling cap? Yeah, or at least the family cap. At the bare minimum, the family cap. Yeah, no, I I would I definitely I like the idea of a family cap. Um, what the family cap should be. I sort of like have my dream versus like, I, I call it like my, my dream cap versus like my negotiation cap. Like I'm willing to negotiate yeah. to here, but I have what I would really like. Some families like want multiple children. So like, and ideally they should have the same yeah. donor parents. So at least they have that to bond over. But like, we don't need 
a bunch of siblings. We don't. Like, it's not healthy. There's too many risks when you don't know who your siblings are. Yeah, we're, we're sort of playing with that, um, you know, as I say, let's turn down that banjo music. We we don't need we don't need that. Thank you so much. Yeah. I think it also, and I think that your story really illustrates why recipient parents, in terms of like health, you need to be an incredible advocate for your donor conceived child when they are having health issues, because yeah. that piece of paper, as you said, it's pretty, but it means shit. Yeah, it's, it's not, not anything. There's no it's- guarantee it's accurate. And it doesn't have enough information to do anything. Like, and health changes. Like, your donor may have been healthy when they donated, but they're not healthy. But maybe they're really struggling right now, and you would have no idea. Yeah, the fact that he has blue eyes doesn't help me know whether he was healthy. Jamie, before we before we sign off, any final thoughts? Anything um, that you think is that we that I haven't asked you yet that you feel like is really important that you want to that you want to say you want to get off your chest that you even if it's um, talking about something else in terms of donor conception. I think for the most part we've covered everything but I do want to say thank you for all you've been doing for the donor conceived community because you are doing amazing work and we see it and we appreciate you. Well, thank th- thank you. I'm I'm ha- I'm I'm gonna look down, and <laughs> your uh, compliment is is currently bouncing off me on other parts of the room right now. But thank you, I do. I'm working hard. I'm trying to learn how to accept compliments because I am not good at it. But thank you. That means a lot coming from you. And um, thank you for not only coming on, but being the first person to trust me with their story. Um. On, on, on TikTok. I remember your story did well. Like, I think it got like either like 400 or like 600,000 views on TikTok. I feel like it was a pretty big number. I don't remember what the. It was a big ass number. And it was just like, oh, I remember people were like freaking out. They were like, this is, this is terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just one of a lot of us. Yeah. They're Not, not unique in the least bit. No. And I am lucky that my condition didn't kill me like other people. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very grateful that you are still here. And thank you for telling your story, because I do think your story is something that is, it is something that other donor conceived people need to be aware of, but especially recipient parents. Yeah. Um, and also, I think it is a reality that donors need to be aware of is you need to like, this is not just a money grab for you. You are making no. a person that is going to live with the reality of what you did. Yeah. This is this isn't this isn't just spring break. This is a this is a full person. Yeah, you are selling your future biological children. Yeah. So please please do it. If you're going to be a donor, make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. And yeah. doing it solely because you want to pay for your spring break, I'm sorry, but that's not a good reason. No. It's it's not. You. This is making sentient human beings. Let's be ethical here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, like, considering, like, I know a child isn't a child until they're born. Like, they're just a clump of cells. But you are selling those clump of cells with the intent to make a human. Yes. Um, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that, that is a very important distinction that, um, yeah, no, no, no one is, um, we're, 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 we're not on, on that side of the, uh, yeah. political spectrum, but when you are, and no one here is going to be arguing that your, your sperm yeah. or your egg is a, is a, is a baby, but you are selling it with the intent, with the knowledge that it will become a baby. Like it's going to yeah. be a sentient human being. That is the intent of why you're selling it. You're not selling it for research purposes. Um, yeah. You are selling it so that it will become a person and you will yeah. have biological children walking around on this yeah. world that are going to have their own emotions and experiences and medical issues that are your biological children. And yeah. they do, and you do need to think about them in mind. Yeah, it's, you need to think about the intent of your output. Yeah, because it doesn't, and, and I do know that a lot of the um, clinics and cryobanks actively want the donors to not think about the kid. They actively yeah. don't, and that, because that serves the clinic and the cryobank. Yeah. Because when you do start thinking about the ethics, you go, oh shit, maybe do I really want to do this? Like it does make their job a lot harder, which it should be. Their job should yeah. be hard. 
it should yeah. be hard. It um, shouldn't be easy to find a donor. No, it, it, it shouldn't be. Especially egg donors because of the risk it poses to them. Oh my God, being an egg donor, the amount of physical risk and the amount, at least I will say in the United States, how clinics and cryobanks are showing a lack of care for yeah. their, their egg donors and the, the way that they're just being so willy-nilly with their bodies is egregious. Yeah, and like causing permanent harm. Like in the big group, there's all the egg donors who have talked about permanent damage to their own fertility. Yeah. Oh my God. And, and of course the United States is like, well, no research has proven anything is fine. It's like, yeah. Cause you've not done the research. Cause they don't want to, they don't want they don't to, wanna have, they don't want to have to tell the risks. Yeah. So it's much easier to not do the research because then you don't have risks to talk about. There are some doctors who have been doing the research. There are doctors who are trying to put in the time um, actively. They, they, they are, um, but it, it is the research that has been done. And I swear the majority of egg donors that I have personally talked to, the amount of them that have been overstimulated yeah. and have had to been rushed to the ER is incredible. Yeah, like, and they don't warn them yeah. that they're going to, that this could happen. And there's not, there's not legislation on how many eggs that you are allowed to take. There, There's just, there's nothing about it. And it's, um, and it's really, really horrible. Yet they're on TikTok doing dances, going like, give us your eggs and you can buy handbags. Boo -doo 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 -doo. Yeah. Because their future biological children and their fertility is worth a handbag. It's worth a handbag. Yeah. It's worth, it's worth a handbag. It's, but I do, I, I do think that people are starting to question and realize that like something is off here. Because yeah. certainly with like uh, clinics and cryobanks, I, I do, I, I, I maybe you don't fully agree with what I'm saying. Maybe, maybe you're not, maybe, maybe there's things about what I'm saying that you just don't agree with. Okay. But I need you to think about if a clinic and cryobank and which is, is normal practice for clinics and cryobanks, they're setting up pop tents in, on college campuses. They are going in and speaking in lecture halls. They're actively going after college students and saying, pay for your textbooks pay for your spring break. Do you think this sounds like a good ethical tactic? Does that sound Does that sound ethical to you? Does that sound like somebody who has these kids best interest in mind? Does that sounds, sound good? Sounds like they're trying to uh profit off of youth and someone who doesn't quite have the capacity to make the informed decision. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, it's, it's nothing against my 18, 19 year old, 20, 21 year olds. It's like, it's not nothing against you, but it's like, they, there's just no way be, understanding what your medical history is, understanding how to advocate for yourself medically. That's typically not something you're going to have experience with dealing with at that age unless you've had just very unique experiences in your life. Also, there's just so many things that you can't get diagnosed with until you're typically over the age of 25. Yeah. And what's even worse with, uh, is if any of those college students are donor conceived and don't know it. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh God. Which, um, I, I have spoken to donor conceived people who are recipient parents who didn't know that they were donor conceived oh. until I know, right? And then they found out there was my yeah, and then they find out that their donor conceived like afterwards. And I'm like, and like, because they they they're terrified. They're like, am I pregnant with my donor's child? Am I pregnant with my donor's child? Am I pregnant? And they're terrified. Yeah, they're pregnant with their with their half brothers, half sisters. Because they'll save the sperm for years and they years. Can't sperm like exist frozen for like 50 years is what they've decided, what they've found. It's like 50 years. It's like some insane. I have no idea how long, but like, they're not going to throw away something that can make the money. No, they're not going to throw it away. They, they will use it for as long as you can, for as long as they yeah. can. Yeah, no, I can understand that, that absolute fear of going, oh shit, I have no idea if this is a relative. And realizing it and suddenly dealing with like all of the, all of the consequences of everybody's act. But I can't, yeah, that, that's terrifying. I would be 
terrified if I was a recipient parent who just found out that their donor conceived as well. Yeah. It'd be terrifying. Did I give birth yeah. birth to my sibling? Oh my God. Yeah. Like, and considering most parents were encouraged to lie to their children in the early 90s. Like, early 50s 60s 70s 80s 90s it didn't they, yeah. they 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 didn't doctors didn't start changing their tune until somewhere in the 2000s yeah probably like 2010 I think so I think that that's when things started shifting a little bit that's also yeah. 2010 is when the majority of recipient parents became, were uh LGBTQIA plus because before 2010 it was mainly like heterosexual couples yeah. And so 2010 so, was a big year of change. Yeah. So the, like, the amount of people, we have no idea how many donor conceived people are out there. So there's a good chance that they're out there donating. Oh, easily. I, there, there's absolutely donor conceived people who are donating who have no idea that they're a donor, that they are no idea that they're donor conceived, which is a terrifying thought because there's no genetic test for that. No. There's, you can't test for that shit. No. Oh my God. All right. Well, Jamie, I cannot thank you enough for coming on. And again, thank you for being my very first story on TikTok. Thank you for coming on and, and speaking so, so openly about your story. Cause it's a very good, very phenomenal encapsulation of what can happen. I'm so glad that you're doing well right now. I'm so glad that you got your sweet four month old baby. Uh, I love whenever you post pictures of him. Happy pride. And, you and I hope that your health continues just onward and upward. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs>